Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everybody. I got, uh, so I was looking over to see what I could find on a new page of, for uh, actually a it says Christian jokes. I was looking for something a little different. Hopefully the internet's not slow today. My computer's acting slow. So I won't go there. It's not working. We're going to continue on in Hosea. And we're going to 8, 9, 10, 11. And then we're going to jump over into Romans 8. We're just going to go for it because nothing is wanting to open on this computer right now. So, Father God, thank you for this morning, and thank you for guiding us and directing us and giving us time together. As you continue to teach us, show us, God. Show us in your word the things you want us to see, especially how to apply these prophecies, how to understand them, your intent, not only for Israel, but for the church and for us. So thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're in Hosea chapter 8. Put the trumpet to your lips like an eagle. The enemy comes against the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. They cry out to me, My God, we of Israel know you. Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have appointed princes, but I did not know it. With their silver and gold, they have made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. He has rejected your calf, O Samaria, saying, My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For from Israel is even this, a craftsman made it, so it is not God. Surely the calf of Samaria will be broken into pieces, for they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads, it yields no grain. Should it yield, strangers would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. They are now among the nations like vessels in which no one delights. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey all alone. Ephraim has hired lovers. Even though they hire allies among the nations, now I will gather them up. And they will begin to diminish because of the burden of the king of princes. Since Ephraim has multiplied altars for sin, they have become altars for sinning for him. Though I wrote for him 10,000 precepts of my law, they are regarded as a strange thing. As for my sacrificial gifts, they sacrifice the flesh and eat it. But the Lord has taken no delight in them. Now he will remember their iniquity. And punish them for their sins. They will return to Egypt. For Israel has forgotten his maker. And built palaces. And Judah has multiplied fortified cities. But I will send a fire on its cities. That it may consume its palatial dwellings. Chapter 9. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with exaltation like the nations. For you have played the harlot, forsaking your God. You have loved harlots earrings on every threshing floor threshing floor and wine press will not feed them and the new wine will fail them they will not remain in the lord's land 
But Ephraim will return to Egypt. And in Assyria they will eat unclean food. They will not pour out drink offerings of wine to the Lord. Their sacrifices will not please him. Their bread will be like mourner's bread. All who eat of it will be defiled. For their bread will be for themselves alone, and it will not enter the house of the Lord. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival, and on the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they will go because of destruction. Egypt will gather them up. Memphis will bury them. Weeds will take over their treasures of silver. Thorns will be their tents. The days of punishment have come. The days of retribution have come. Let Israel know this. The prophet is a fool. The inspired man is demented because of the grossness of your iniquity and because of your hostility is so great. Ephraim was a watchman with my God, a prophet. Yet the snare of a bird catcher is in all his ways and there is only hostility in the house of his God. They have gone deep in depravity in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and voted themselves to shame. And they, and they became as detestable as that which they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory will fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them until not a man is left. Yes, woe to them indeed when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I have seen, is planted in a pleasant meadow like Tyre. But Ephraim will bring out his children for slaughter. Give them, O Lord, what you will give. Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their evil is at Gilgal. Indeed, I came to hate them there. Because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They will bear no fruit. Even though they bear children, I will slay the precious ones of their womb. My God will cast them away because they have not listened to him. And they will be wanderers among the nations. Chapter 10 Israel is a luxuriant vine. He produces fruit for himself. The more his fruit, the more altars he made. The richer his land, the better he made the sacred pillars. Their heart is faithless. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their sacred pillars. Surely now they will say, we have no king. For we do not revere the Lord. As for the king, what can he do for us? They speak mere words. With worthless oaths, they make covenants. And judgment spreads like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the fields. The inhabitants of Samaria will fear for the calf of Beth-Avon. Indeed, its people will mourn for it. For its idolatrous priests will cry out over it, over its glory, since it has departed from it. The thing itself will be carried to Assyria as tribute to King Jerob. Ephraim will be seized with shame, and Israel will be scattered of its own counsel. Samaria will be cut off with her king, like a stick on the surface of the water, as the high places of Avon. 
the sin of Israel will be destroyed. Thorn and thistle will grow on their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, Cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. From the days of Gibeah you have sinned, O Israel. There they stand. Will not the battle against the sons of iniquity overtake them in Gibeah? When it is my desire, I will chastise them, and the peoples will be gathered against them. When they are bound for their double guilt, Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh. But I will come over her fair neck with a yoke. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow. Jacob harrow for himself. So, with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies. Because you have trusted in your ways, in your numerous warriors. Therefore a tumult will arise among your people. And all your fortresses will be destroyed. As Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel on the day of the battle, when mothers were dashed to pieces with their children, thus it will be done to you at Bethel because of your great wickedness. At dawn, the king of Israel will be completely cut off. Chapter 11 When Israel was young, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they called them, the more they went from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of a man, with bonds of love. I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws. I bent down and fed them. They will not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria will be their king because they refuse to return to me. The swords will whirl against their cities and will demolish their gate bars and consume them because of their counsels, so my people are bent on turning from me. Though they call them to the one on high, none at all exalts him. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar, and the sons will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like the birds from Egypt, like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. Ephraim surrounds me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. Judah is also unruly against God, even against the Holy One who is faithful. So on going in the prophecies of Hosea, not focused at all on his wife here, the imagery is still true. The, they're unfaithful. 
they bow down to their calf, the one they, the golden calf. They cry, the priests cry when it's not around, and God says, because of that, because of that, that you cry for the your idols, that uh, you're going to judgment. The better your land does, the more you are blessed, the more that God was allowing them to be fruitful and prosperous and everything else, the more they made idols, and the more they turned away from God. So God said, okay, I'm going to take all that away so that you will wake up and turn back to me. Ephraim is Israel. Israel is Ephraim. Uh, Samaria, also another name for north. Just like Judah uh, and Jacob are names for the south, and even Zion there in Jerusalem. So we have different names to, to identify the north and the south. And I imagine there'd be a good study to go into that and see why he uses Ephraim some places and, and Israel and others, other places. And I kind of have an idea, if we looked at that carefully, we might find that there's kind of a pattern. He might be referring more to Ephraim in their um, idolatry, specifically maybe Israel and their unfaithfulness of breaking away politically. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just saying that it's it's one of those interests that I was thinking about going, I bet you there's something there if we were to chase it down. But it's always fascinated me how God has these names for Israel. It confused me for a long time. I would hear about Ephraim and I would um and not have a clue what he was talking about. Then I was and, and, and whenever he talked about Israel, I thought it was Israel was the north and the south combined, which really confused me. But uh, we're in the time of the divided kingdom, so you always have to remember you have Judah in the south, Samaria, Ephraim, Israel in the north, and operating as two separate nations. And both are judged separately, and one goes to Assyria, one goes to Babylon. Romans chapter 8 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was, through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requests of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Yet, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from the slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. For he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say of these things if God is for us? Who is against us? He who does not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, there's simple, simple gospel theology for you. (laughs) I'm saying that jokingly because we have the most profound, most simple but most profound uh, theology explanations, uh, revelations of Paul given to us here in the book of Romans. Starting off, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. 
there is no condemnation. We are set free when you're born again. And we are born again by the Spirit of grace. And we are given this, we are given this beautiful imagery that we are sons of adoption, fellow heirs with Christ, heirs of God, that he has brought us into his family. Now, he says all of this if, there's an if there, if you're willing to make a stand. If you're willing, he says, to suffer. In his, in his day, in his circumstance, it cost you everything to be a Christian. Your family could reject you. The, the community could reject you. They could often try and kill you if you're in a Jewish community or if you're in a Roman community and you wouldn't uh, pinch the, the uh, incense and offer, to offer uh, sacrifice to Caesar once a year. You could die. There was many, many ways you could die for um, standing up to be a Christian. So uh, this is the big chapter. A lot of people try and use um, the end of it for Calvinism, saying we are predestined by God, therefore he chose us from the foundation of the world. And there's a lot of truth to these scriptures, but be careful. Be very careful because Paul puts a big if in there. And he says, you know, we're being slaughtered, we're being crucified all day long for his namesake. There is a choosing and a choice. And Paul seems to make it clear. Of course, we haven't even gotten to Romans. Uh, we have, Romans 9 will be tomorrow. We'll be have fun in Romans 9. But as we look at these things, I strongly believe that God makes a provision for us, that he loves us, he calls us, and he provides an opportunity for us to respond to the free gift of grace, which is given through us through his son, through his sacrifice. And once we are there, we are born into a new life. There is this completely radical transformation that happens within us. This is the first part of Romans 8. That uh, we are under no condemnation and we've died to sin and we are alive in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful chapter. It is, you could do, you know, 10 separate teachings at least on Romans 8. So there is, um, it's, it's a wealth of beautiful Christian um, theology. Take your time, go through it again if you can. But we are going to move on and we're going to look at Charles Spurgeon. Like palm and cedar, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Psalm 92, 12. These trees are not trained and pruned by man. Palms and cedars are trees of the Lord. And it is by his care that they flourish. Even so, it is with the saints of the Lord that they are his own care. These trees are evergreen and are beautiful objects at all seasons of the year. Believers are not sometimes holy and sometimes ungodly. They stand in the beauty of the Lord under all weathers. Everywhere these trees are noteworthy. No one can gaze upon the landscape in which they are either palms or cedars, without his attention being fixed upon these royal growths. The followers of Jesus are the observed of all observers. Like a city set on a hill, they cannot be hid. The child of God flourishes like a palm tree, which pushes all of its strength upwards in one erect column without a single branch. It is a pillar with a glorious capital. It has no growth to the right or the left but sends all its force heavenwards and bears its fruit as near the sky as possible. 
Lord, fulfill this type in me. The cedar braves all storms and grows near the eternal snows. The Lord himself filling it with a sap which keeps its heart warm and its bow strong. Lord, so let it be with me, I pray thee. Amen. This is pretty amazing for men in England to write this who didn't live near palm trees. We have palm trees here all around us. and what a, That's the best description I've heard to use a palm tree in that sense on the spiritual side of things which is a, uh, it is an amazing tree, which you cannot not notice. You see it, and it has this glorious capital at its top. You see all of its strength going up heavenwards, producing fruit. It is, it, and what he says is we are like that. We are, you and I are like that. We are supposed to be men and women who are growing at all stages of our life and always shall we say green, we are always living the life of Christ. We have his life within us. We don't have seasons where we go dormant. We don't have a time where we become unholy. This is not what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to be those people that people notice and say, I see in that person life. And in a world where there is so much death and so much suffering, there is a, a really strong need and call. And man, what a, um, a high calling to know that when you go to Walmart or when you go to the mall or when you go downtown that you are to be an ex- a witness for the Lord. You're to be somehow, if at all possible, you're supposed to be a sign to the world that there is life in Jesus Christ, that you have the live, the life, the, the Holy Spirit living within you. And we all have special gifts in many different ways, but I, um, I don't have the same gifting as many of you to do that. But some of you have that very strong outward joy that people see in you. And what a, what a blessing. We need that in the church. We need people to stay joyful and happy in the midst of dark times and um you know i've always been told i have a more of a serious face which i don't like i I didn't you know like work at it to get that but that's just a little bit of who i am and i'm always trying to not look so serious but unfortunately that's kind of way i am but i really appreciate you guys that have a very very joyful demeanor and whatever our state whether we're outwardly we are joyful or not we should be joyful in inside and let people see that today. Let them see it. Father, thank you for this morning and for giving us our time together again and for guiding us in your word. We thank you that you are guiding and directing us as you always do. We are joyful for your love for us and for the things you're doing in us. So, Father, we, we just want to rejoice. want to rejoice and And thank you for the many, many blessings we have. And as you continue to use us, and we do know that all things work together for the good of those who are the called, those that you have brought out of the world and are doing something in our lives. And in that that aspect, God, we want to continue for the continued healing. Pray for the healing Juan Carlos in Mexico City as he's now going to begin his cancer radiation treatments on Monday, that they'd be successful and highly highly successful and be able to 
irradiate this cancer quickly so that he can get back to a normal life. I want to pray for Dean and Kim and the whole family um, that you be a blessing on them and help them in um, their all of their struggles, God, with the Lyme disease. Help Abigail, God. She's dealing with a bunch of stuff going on in her life right now. Um, some Another infection that came upon her. So really ask God that you would um, that you would touch her and heal her completely so thank you for that family and we're just praying for a, just a real special blessing upon Abigail this week that you would use all the antibiotics God to heal her body so that she would just feel great and that family could get over this hump and start back on the road of, of healing and recovery and be able to come and fellowship with us. So put them in your hands. As, and, of course, anybody recovering from surgery, anybody recovering from some, some chronic illness, God, we really want to remember them, lift them up. Anna, we pray that you give her a mobility, ability to get out. Uh, Maria, Elena, those that are, uh, even Susie, that have these ongoing um, struggles that you help them with their daily tasks, their their groceries, the tasks around the home. God, that you would make them pain-free today and give them just your blessing. So thank you for this morning and use this for whatever purpose you see fit. We are your servants, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we'll see you tomorrow at the same time. Invite people, let them know about the podcast, and we will keep keep on feeding on his word every morning manna for breakfast. All right, bye-bye.